1: Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com.
2: Hey, everybody. War Eagle. Welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn. Taylor Davis, Jason Campbell here with you today to talk all about Auburn athletics. Jason and I are gonna recap this past weekend's game against Texas A&M. We're gonna preview this week's matchup with Mississippi State, the finale of our regular season. It's crazy to think that it's all coming to an end already. Feels like we just got things started yesterday, but things are about to wrap up. So we'll get you ready for this weekend's matchup. We are also one week away from early signing day. So Jason and I are going to talk a little bit about the landscape of recruiting for Auburn and where things stand right now. So hope all of our listeners are doing well, having a good week, even though our Tigers got another L, which, you know, unfortunately was a very real possibility. We knew that with this Texas A&M team, but they showed moments of promise in this game. Jason, I I thought for a minute, definitely at halftime, that this might go our way.
3: Yeah, you're definitely right, Taylor. Uh, Hello to all the fans out there. Um, Like I say, you're definitely correct. Like this game in the first half, I felt like, of course, they was running football consistently. You know, getting about seven, nine yards a pop, and Mm -hmm. you know, we wasn't winning a point of attack. So, anytime that happens, usually when you lose that battle, you lose the ball game. And you know, we was able to to hang in there and you know not give up any big pass plays with Kelly Munn, but. You know, their run game. Texas a and run game was very sufficient. Uh, they did a great job of hiding Munn's efficiencies. Which they didn't put the ball in his hand to have the opportunity to turn the ball over, which which we could have. We got McClain got his hands on the interception. It could have been a, a huge mm-hmm. interception. And that probably would have won the game for us because yeah. at that point it was 20-14. to 14. And with the opportunity for us to steal all their confidence and all their momentum, and we beat Texas A and M the last three years, so you know they have to play a part in their mind and in Jimbo's head that if we get that pick there, it's, it's probably a totally different ball game. But yeah. I thought the kids came out and played. It's just again we just don't finish well, and uh, mm-hmm. you know we didn't. We got outscored seventeen to zero in the 14th quarter. That's just I mean, 14th quarter, fourth quarter. <laughs>
2: That's what it felt like. <laughs> Fourteen quarters. <laughs> 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 so,
3: so exactly. So you know, so that can't happen. You know, especially not at home. You know, you, you can't allow that. So, you know, once again, we we lost again, and you know, we didn't beat a ranked team this year, which is disappointing um, because they use the speaks where our program is is in. And right now, I just feel like you know it's so important this week coming up, as we'll get to in a minute. But you know, we just gotta uh, you know get back to it, keep punching the punching bag, and, and see what can happen.
2: I agree with you that that dropped interception just you felt like it deflated the team when that when that particular play happened. But I also go back to an early miss that Bo had just completely overthrew Eli stove who was wide open at the end zone. Texas A&M showed some vulnerability that we could have taken advantage of and walked away with a win, but it just showcased itself once again some of the areas that were deficient, and I think that that includes discipline. I think it includes uh, fine-tuned technique that by this point of the season we should be seeing a lot more, and as always, it's very apparent where our passing game is lacking and it just hasn't come together yet so let's talk about the game a little bit more let's start on the defensive side of the ball Jason because this was uh this was interesting it certainly looked uh like a few steps had been taken backwards in this one and you got to give credit to Texas A&M for what they did by the way the score for this one for anyone that needs a reminder 31 to 20 um after we took the lead at halftime though And we came back out. The defense held them to just six plays and 18 yards. So to start out the second half, I was like, here we go. Kevin Steele making adjustments as necessary. This defense is about to play lights out. But after that, that was about it for this defense. After that, (laughs) Texas A&M's other seven drives reached at least the Auburn 35. Six of them reached the end zone and four resulted in touchdowns. So it was a very... um. It was just a glimpse of what the defense could do, and then somehow didn't didn't sustain itself. Texas A&M, they were able to find a lot of success on the ground. Our run defense was really, really being outdone, honestly. They averaged 6.7 yards per rush. They had 313 total yards on the ground. Texas A&M's offense put up a total of 509 yards on the day. It really was just a, a difficult test for our defense, but – you can't only look at this week for, you know, defensive inefficiency. And I think that there's so many bright spots on this defense. We talk about Zacoby McLean and Owen Papo every single week, and these guys deserve it. They are playing such consistent, effective ball, but they can't do it on their own. And I think that we're seeing that show itself. This is actually the third consecutive team to average more than five yards a carry against our defense. That should not be the case. Tennessee was averaging 5.4 and Alabama 5.3. I also think third down defense is a big problem and that could be very scary this week against an air raid offense of Mississippi State. A&M converted seven of 11 third downs. We only held one team below 40% third down conversion rate all season and that was LSU. So third down defense is a big issue the run defense was really exploited this week and right now we rank fifth in the sec allowing 25.2 points per game and we're ninth in yards per play allowed with 5.9 so give me your analysis on the state of this defense right now because here's the thing we know we lost generational players in derrick and marlin we have talked about this ad nauseum. We know being without KJ Britt since week two has been a complete shock to the system. That guy is not just effective in his play. He's an effective leader. And I think he would have completely changed the mentality of the defensive side of the ball. But again, that's an aspect of football that every team deals with every single year. You lose guys to graduation and the NFL. You lose guys to injury. That's not the excuse you can ride the coattails of all season. So when you look at this defensive performance this week and the inconsistencies that we have had all season in terms of third down, where do you think we're lacking?
3: Well, let's just call a spade a spade. Um, you know, you already said the two key things: like you're not you're not winning up front on the defensive front, and then you're not winning on third downs. Like those two things alone cost you to lose a lot of ball games. But this defense has been a team, a part of the team that's been carrying this team for the last five years. You know, we've been built our hat and bread and butter off this defense, and for whatever reason, this year we've been able to add players on, but for this season we have not been able to get what we need up front on the defensive front to stop other teams. And when I look at other teams, Taylor, in person,
0: yeah. we're
3: so undersized when it comes to some of these other schools we're playing against. Interesting. And, and that has a lot to do with it. When, when you're going four quarters and you're three clouds in the dust against teams that want to pound the rock, you have got to be able to withstand that type of assortment for four quarters. And I just don't feel like we can because we're undersized. So we've got to get to the point where we beef up a little bit more up front on the defensive front to what we're used to having. we got to get to a point where we're winning on third downs, and a lot of that comes with having good secondary play as a Mm -hmm. whole. And it's not like it's an individual, but it's a whole. Because if three guys do everything right and one guy mess up, then we all mess up. So we we gotta get to a point where everyone's on the same page because this weekend, you know, we was alternating safeties in and out like every other two plays, or alternating nickel in and out like every other two plays. So the secondary kept rotating throughout the game. And that tells me that we're still trying to find out who's our four best guys to play in the secondary. And 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 so when you're doing those type of things. Yes, there, there are holes that got to be filled this offseason. There are, there are positions that has, to, that has to come up. Like defensive front, like, you know, Rod Gardner has been one of the best recruiters we've had. That's the reason Marlon and Derrick was there, you know, yeah. and, uh, and he's always had some really good guys come through there. And, and now you think about our defensive front, it's like, okay, who can you name up front that's like a huge playmaker that changes the game? Like, so
2: true.
3: we don't have that one guy that can just change the game up front. And uh, so we've got to get back to like finding those type of guys. And like I said, beefing up. That's the most important thing in the offseason. We have got to put more muscle and, and weight on a lot of guys. Um, yeah. And then, then get some, you know, secondaries got to improve. our linebackers, you know, like I said, those two guys really hadn't come off the field all year because of K.J. Breach, got hurt. it put yeah. McLean, where he had to come from outside and inside. And then Owen Papo, you know, had, had to take a bigger responsibility. And when you think about these guys are, are still beefing up. But, you know, McLean had a heck of a game as far as, like, I think he had, like, 17 tackles or something like that. And if he gets the interception, he's probably the SEC player of the week. And, uh, you know, so this kid is a playmaker and, uh, and everything. So we've got to – how you protect your linebackers, everyone used to always talk about the great linebackers in the NFL and everything. Every great linebacker I knew in the NFL had a great defensive front because they didn't allow those linemen to get up to their linebackers to get those blocks, get a hat on a hat. See, right now you got McClain and you got Owen Papo who are a little bit undersized fighting these 6'7", 200 – I mean, 300 – and. 25-pound linemen trying to shed them and then make the tackle. So, you have that, you're going to have big holes in the run game because we're outmatched and overmatched.
2: Yeah, that's that's a very good way to analyze that, and I agree with you about the front and specifically the amount of teams in the SEC that are a run-first offense. That's really when it's going to show your, your cards a little bit on what you've got up front, and Texas A&M certainly was able – to use that to their advantage, it might also be a position that maybe, you know, transfer portal could be beneficial for us. If if mm. guys on, on the defensive, because I think it's so rare to think that, you know, recruiting kids fresh out of high school are going to be what you need in, in that particular right. situation, unless they're like very rare breeds like we've had in the past. But I certainly think if any, you know, defensive tackles or something hit the transfer portal, that that should be something that Auburn, you know, takes advantage of where yeah, possible. Nick yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay, let's talk about the offense because, you know, I have gripes with them, Jason. <laughs> I, I, I typically do. But I'm going to start. I'm gonna start with the positive. Uh-huh. I I mean, we were able to find success with multiple running backs, and I just want to give them credit for what they are continuing to do. Tank Bigsby was back out there. I don't think this kid is back to 100%, but he is doing everything asked of him. He is playing so hard. He plays with intensity, and he's very, very effective when he's on the field. So much credit to him, and lest we not forget, he's a true freshman. So what he's going to accomplish is going to be something special. But Sean Shivers, man, that guy, I have so much pride when I watch him play because We all remember that iconic hit in the Iron Bowl last year because he knocked the helmet off. And that obviously sticks in everyone's mind because of that picture. But that is truly how this guy runs every time he's on the field. He runs angry. He runs low. And you're not going to take him down on first tackle. I just – I'm so impressed with him, and I love his work ethic. And I feel like it really shows itself when he gets playing time.
3: Oh, yeah. Sean Showers. (laughs) Sean Showers is a stomp. Now, yep. people don't, don't jump on my case. You're not literally calling the man a stump, but he's a stump. Like, you know, stumps don't move. They're yeah. solid. And, but he's a moving stump. And when this guy gets going, I think defenses get caught off guard. They run up to hit him. And when they run up to hit him, it's almost like they ran to a brick wall because he's he already
2: short.
3: <laughs> He's already short. But then he lowers his shoulder and his helmet, and he's strong. And yep. he just depleted at least two to three Texas A&M defenders this past weekend. Uh-huh. And when he ran through them, it's almost like you can see those guys want to like grab their shoulder or something, but <laughs> they're embarrassed too because they're like, I'm not finna grab my shoulder, man. But I could tell they was hurt. They failed yeah. to the hit. Like he doesn't, he's not the punching bag. Like he does the punching. And, yep. you know, him and Tank's attitude, the way they run the football, I, I really like it. I think that that's auburn football yeah. like we need more guys like that because those guys show toughness they show effort um they feed off one another and there's some other guys on the team that's that same way but we just don't have enough of those guys and right. if we can get enough of those type of mindset guys then we can be trending in the right direction but i tell you like like I said tanks not 100% we could tell, but he still broke off a long run and he still was able to pick up a huge third down where he made two three guys miss and, and was able to get to the outside on the goal line. But I Achilles heel this whole year has been red zone efficiency, and I mean by getting touchdowns it's almost like okay we know we got three in the bag, because we have Dan- we have Carson but. What about getting six and then getting an extra point, getting seven? Like ooh. Every time we get down to like the 10-yard line, it's almost like we stall. It's almost yeah. like everything changes. And I'm just like, guys, just keep doing what we was doing to get us to the 10-yard line. And that was the difference in this game. The difference in this yeah. game was we did not score touchdowns. When we needed to score touchdowns, we kept kicking field goals. And eventually, it always comes back to bite you when you're, when you're exchanging field goals and there is are touchdowns. And uh, so a lot of games, a lot of our games came down to the wire. Arkansas game came down to the wire because we couldn't finish off drives. Tennessee game came down to the wire because we couldn't finish off drives. Kentucky game came down to the wire because we couldn't finish off drives. And the teams that we beat, like even Ole Miss, almost came back to bite us. So we got to really work on red zone efficiency before we can – actually start to move as an offense and we got to work on our intermediate passing game i don't 100%. see enough combats i don't see enough digs i don't see enough curls i don't see enough crossing routes uh the tight end has got to get more involved in the offense at some point someone will listen to me
2: i know <laughs>
3: every offense that is efficient in college or pro they have a stud tight end that plays a big role like you in have Florida. got to- Yes, you got to throw the ball to the tight end. It opens up so much stuff. Like it opens up your run game. It opens up your outside receivers. Like right now we, and we have some, we have some on campus that are good height, good size. You know, this week we throw in our six, seven tight end in the red zone on third down, hadn't played in the game yet. And we threw Mm it, we tried to throw him a back shoulder fade, a jump ball. And of course we threw it 10 yards over his head. Yep. But my thing is, even if the ball was on point, we we're asking a lot out of a kid that hadn't even been on the field just to get his blood flowing or warm yeah. up, you know? So we have to think about these things, you know, in order to be an efficient offense. I just feel like we just got so much room for improvement, which is a good thing if guys would buy in and coaches would buy in and, and they all sort to listen to one another.
2: I completely agree with you. I think, for this offense, this offense is not at all what was advertised when Chad Morris came in. And I know you can't always listen to the hype that gets created coming out of the few practices they were able to have. But the tight end was supposed to be a an integral part of this Auburn offense. It was supposed to be more creative, have more variety. And we all we're seeing is a run game with some screen passes thrown in. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think having a good kicker is almost people are gonna be like what having a good kicker (laughs) almost hinders you a little bit because I don't think that once we get toward the red zone like you were saying there's not like this level of urgency this sense of urgency when the offense gets down there because it's like subconsciously everyone's already accepted that we're probably going to walk away with three points if you had a three Yeah, if you walk away or if you've got a crappy kicker, you get down in that situation, Gus might go for it on fourth down more or this team plays with a little more tightness because they don't have that safety net of a field goal. Not that it should be viewed as a safety net to get three points when your opponent is easily putting up seven, but I'll give credit to Bo for that houdini touchdown i don't know how he evaded that pressure and slipped away from their entire defensive line sometimes he does things with his legs that show his true athleticism but he's got to figure out the passing game in this game we ran for 196 yards we threw for 144 but honestly the the fourth quarter was just unacceptable i mean on the first drive in the fourth quarter auburn rushed for zero yards and went three and out on the next drive, it rushed for two yards and went three and out again. And then on the final drive of the quarter, Auburn did not attempt to run, wasted 53 seconds on a 23-yard drive that ended in a punt and ended the quarter with negative nine rushing yards.
3: Yeah. Uh, the thing, like I said, the, the one thing that happened is that we knew Texas said, they're number one in the SEC in ball control. Um, and, and you knew that. Coming into the game, they control so much – of the clock. So when you do have an opportunity to get the ball on offense, you have got to be able to stay on the field and convert third downs. And how you get to those short third downs is you gotta be able to win the point of attack and get and get into those third and three, the third and two uh, situations. And when you do that, you're still able to either run the football or pass the football with play action. But when you're sitting there at seven, third and seven to 10 or third and nine or more, like you're always, Letting the defense peel their ears back and come after you from, from that standpoint and then force you to have to be so accurate and so efficient in converting long-distance third downs. Like, that's a win for the defense every time. Even if you convert it, it's still a win for the defense because they said they keep you in a number of those, then eventually you're going to miss more than you make. And mm-hmm. that's where we're finding ourselves at right now. And when you, when you think about Bo... The thing that Bo has to really, if he wants to improve accuracy and he wants to improve in a sale, he's got to fix his foot, His footwork. His feet work is all over the place. And, you know, when I, when I watch him and I study him, I'm just like a lot of his throws can be easily fixed by just helping his footwork, like getting his foot lined up in the right places and letting your feet tell you where you're going with the ball sometimes and, and getting your head around. But, you know, those are all things that can be fixed, but you got to be willing to want to wanna fix them. And uh, I think we we watch too much of Patrick Mahomes and too much of, you know, some of these guys that make acrobatic throws and stuff at the next level. And and we feel like we could just do that right away as well. But you've got to understand, like, you know, if you want to be solid in the SEC, like in that position, you have got to be very efficient. And a lot of it is just from the waist down. Yes, 90% of it is mental, but a lot of it is from the waist down. And, uh, and I think he can learn a lot if he works on that this offseason. But – and then the other part of our offense is when you go into the fourth quarter, like if you see that your defense is on the field a lot and you like, hey, we get the ball back, you got to go out there with some enthusiasm. If you're going to go three and out, we need to have one of them that need to be a shot play. And what I mean by that, we need to take a chance down the field and and send someone deep. Like even if you throw it one time and you don't complete it, they're going to respect it and back up a little bit. Right now, teams are just sitting at that 10 yards and under just hovering us because they feel like we don't take those shots. The time that we have, oh, Swartz has been running wide open down the, down the slot because they busted the coverage or something. But with his speed, I would still line him up outside, and I would take a shot to find a way to, to get him off of double coverage, put him in motion, You know, run him on the motion and everything, snap the ball while he's in motion. And let his speed, because he's already moving, just to accelerate and get a chance to throw a ball up like Tyree Hill, and see if he can go out and run someone and catch the ball. Like it yeah. doesn't hurt sometimes to try these things. And uh, but you know we do throw a lot of balls behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, we started the game off with two passes right behind the line of scrimmage, and 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 right then I was just like, uh, you know, like the first one yes we threw it behind, and the second one it, he was going to be tackled for a loss. So it's just these type of things that we've we got to have, like, we make things look so hard. Yeah. <laughs> Put it that way. We make things look so hard, but I don't want to beat up on the guys too much. I just think that they just need the they need to change their mindset. Whatever comfortable mindset that they are in, it needs to change because the comfortable mindset is not getting us anywhere.
2: And honestly, they've they're going to have to dig deep heading into this last regular season game. I know it kind of feels like Um, what you play for at one point is out of reach. So having to switch gears and change those goals and, and still have the same drive that you did knowing that, you know, an, an impressive, according to Auburn standards season and and a postseason run are out of the question. But, uh, we all know, as we've said each week, but it certainly feels true this week, a loss to Mississippi state. I think, puts us in a very bad situation. They've got to find a way to pull out a win and end the regular season the way they very well should because this team is better than Mississippi State. They just have to play like it. So let's preview this one a little bit. One thing that I've noticed watching Mississippi State this season is that they've been much improved in their run defense, which is certainly something that this Auburn offense is going to want to do. Take take advantage of running the ball, move the clock. Uh, But this run defense has certainly tightened up as their season has progressed. They're allowing 116.8 yards per game, around 3.28 yards per carry. So when we do utilize that run attack, hopefully we see as many of the guys as we did against Texas A&M. They're certainly going to have to be shifty. They're going to have to take tackles because this, this run front for Mississippi state has tightened up. They've got two seniors in their three man front. So the veteran guys that uh, are going to be well-prepared. So that's certainly something for this Auburn offense to keep in mind. Now their offense on the flip side, minimal run game. That, that's not the name of their game. We all know Mike Leach came in and, and is implementing the air raid offense. Uh, And so it'll be interesting to see what our defense does with this, because it's certainly different than what you typically see from SEC offenses. Now, turnover battle could be interesting in this one. Listen to this. Mississippi State in their first five games had 19 turnovers, but in the last three, only one. So another aspect of very evident improvement for this Mississippi State team But there's area for our defense to really come away and and kind of force some turnovers, and that might get them out of sorts a little bit. Their quarterback, Will Rogers, is coming off a 440-yard, three-touchdown performance against Ole Miss. So this one could be interesting. Again, very well should be a win for Auburn in terms of, you know, talent and, and what we've got going for us at this point. But who has the heart? Who has the drive to really take the field and make this thing happen? It's going to be interesting to see. But give me a little insight on this Mississippi State offense, how the air raid has kind of been coming together under Mike Leach and and with Will Rogers out there. Is is this an offense that you enjoy?
3: i tell you what. Mississippi State, when I look at this Mike Leach team, you you probably remember how mummy back in the days. I don't know. You might have been four or five years old, flipping flips (laughs) in the yard or something. But (laughs) – You know, know, how mommy used to be at Kentucky, and this is the same type of offense he ran in the SEC where he threw it like 45, 50 times a game. So, you know, Mike Leach has tried to do that this year, but what Mike Leach forgot was you inherited a physical football team from the year before. So you got to get your type of recruits in before you can just throw just air raid the ball all over the place. Now, where I give him credit is over the last couple of weeks, you're supposed to improve as the season goes on. They only have 43 players that have dressed out for them over the last three games. And guess what? They should have beat Georgia, had them in Georgia, and then they had Ole Miss in Ole Miss down to the ropes. And it just showed me that they've kind of gotten rid of some guys that don't want to be there and have got some guys that want to be there and those kids are buying into one another. And the quarterback, he plays with some type of fire with him within himself, which is kind of feeding off through the other guys. I watched their game against Ole Miss and how he was kind of rallying the guys. And they got some receivers, too, that can go get it. Um, but like I say, though, it's not going to be an easy task because they've had um, more days to prepare for Auburn than Auburn has had to prepare for them. Um, they didn't have a game this past Saturday. So, you know, they play this week and next week. So they've had a little bit over 10 days to, to – to get ready and to prepare for us. And it's a night game. And it's in Starkville. So it's not going to be Stark Vegas like we're all used to, all the cowbells ringing because can uh. only have so many fans in the stands. Uh, but at the same time, we got to come ready to play. You got to finish the season off strong. You're playing for heart and pride right now. And if I'm a player on that team and I expect to come back next season, I'm trying to finish this thing off right. Who cares about the bowl game? We may not even be in a bowl game because of a lot of bowls are canceling. So, you know, let's just write the ship where it's at right now, finish this thing on out the right way, get back into a a state of mind that where we could get better, but we better not come trickling ourselves right on in the start, get the start build Think We just gonna run right over them because they gonna come to play. They gonna come yeah. to play. And uh, it's gonna be a little closer than I think a lot of people think this game is gonna be. Are we more talented? Sure, we're more talented, but more talented teams don't always win. Mm-hmm. It's the more it's the more mentally prepared football teams that win. And uh, and this is a huge game for recruiting. We don't win this game. I can't imagine the fits may start happening as far as recruiting the guys. Like, Guys can't come on campus right now. So we need to show them on the field, on national television, that why you want to come play at Auburn. Like we have got to win a lot of these guys. We lost a running back two weeks ago that decommitted Mm -hmm. at Alabama-Auburn game. We had a four-star running back. He decommitted because he was at the game. Now, I don't know what he saw at the game that made him change his mind, but he quickly decommitted after that game. And I don't know, like there's something he saw that didn't sit well with him. Right. So we got to do something to get these guys back on point because if we lose Mississippi State, my brother gonna be all in my ear because he went (laughs) to Mississippi State. He gonna be like, you let us beat y'all on a down year that we done had so many changes, so we don't know what was going on to now to a point. I I would not hear the end of this. You know, I would have to wait a long time to get rid of it.
2: Oh yeah. That'll make Christmas difficult. Come on, Auburn, help our guy out. But you're absolutely right. It will have an implication on recruiting. There's no way around that. And a recruit's going to have to look at this situation and think, I want to be part of the change. Mm -hmm. Recruits have to look at this situation and see that the foundation is laid, that pieces are there and maybe with me in the mix we become a a national championship contender. That's the the vision recruits have to have when they look at Auburn. So we're one week away from early signing day. As of right now, our recruiting class ranks 42nd nationally and 11th in the SEC, which doesn't sound great. Mm. But what you need to keep in mind is that we are a top 15 class in terms of average recruit ranking so we only have 12 right now as as it comes to be for 2021 but those 12 guys rankings are very impressive so it's kind of a quality over quantity right now which I think affects how people look at it but they certainly need to add a few more to the mix and they definitely can't lose any of the 12 that we're anticipating having and I think as we've talked about you know and you can speak to this from from your recruiting you know decision and kind of what goes into the mentality but so much of Auburn's recruiting strategy um, is so much about selling the Auburn experience and like Mm -hmm. what it's like to be part of the Auburn family to be on one of I'm biased I know but I've gone to a lot of schools for my job Auburn is one of the most beautiful campuses in the country like hands down the layout the town all of it the 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 entire atmosphere of Auburn sells itself. So this year's differences, I really think, are hindering Auburn more than a lot of schools. Look, Alabama hangs their hat on the process. You're going to play for a national title. And we have a slew of successful NFL guys after. You're going to be primed to go to the league. Come join us, kind of thing. Georgia Mm -hmm. is rising in prominence. Like, their selling points can just as effectively be um implemented over zoom i think not being able to come to auburn in person it it's really difficult for these recruits to be able to understand why this would be the best fit for them so talk to me a little bit about where things stand right now in terms of recruiting and and maybe put us inside the mind of a recruit right now who's maybe on the fence about you know this very big decision they're all about to have to make well i
3: think uh you know you made made solid points taylor um I always say that because it's true.
2: Thanks, Jack. But
3: uh, <laughs> when I say this, though, when you think about the recruiting aspect right now, when I was coming out, Auburn wasn't a good football team. Right, they had some good years before 1998. In 1998, I think, in 99, they struggled. Uh, in 97, they went to the SEC Championship. Um, and then Tuberville took over in 99. And then Tuberville's selling point to us was be the class that changes Auburn. Back to prominence and back to dominance, mm-hmm. and, and and it always stuck with us. And you know that's exactly what happened. You know we was able to finish out winning fifteen games in a row, going undefeated, and kind of setting the standard. And the class that came behind us, the junior class, they finished eleven and two their senior year, and everything. And um, and, and so you want to be that class. And if I'm a recruit coming in, don't be so so looking at things where they're at right now. But think about the difference that you can make if you was to step on Auburn's campus and what kind of benefits that you add. If you go to Alabama, you may be sitting behind somebody for two, three years. You know, if you come to Auburn right now, we got some holes that are open that can be filled and need to be filled that you can come in, compete right away, and earn playing time and make a difference. And, yeah. uh, and that would be my selling point if I'm a coach. It will be my selling point if anyone talks to me about wanting to go to Auburn. Uh, that's my selling point. And, uh, and that's part of being a competitor. And yeah. I want us to have a class of, like I said, I'm not so many worried about, like you say, the quantity of how many people we sign, but the quality of people we sign. We need right. to create a competitive environment. And we need every position to be up for battle. And how you do that is you create that, that competitive environment in the springtime, carryovers throughout the season. You push each other in workouts. You push each other over the summer. You have those those dog days where you're pushed and coach trying to figure out who's going to quit or who's going to hang in there. You need some of those type of practices. You need some of those type of workouts, because I want to know who I'm playing beside on Saturday. When the going gets going and the tough gets torn and going, who's in with me? And who's Mm -hmm. easy just, and and who's going to fall to the side. I want to know who it is so I can know who I can count on, who I can depend on. It's easy for everybody to be in with you when things are going your way or, or this and that, but can you be with me when things aren't going my way Can you be with me? Can you pick me up when I'm having a tough day and it got to be reversal. I'm creating a competitive, competitive environment. If I'm Gus and I'm back next year, and and this is what I want to, I want to get back to contending. I'm changing everything I just did. I'm saying, look, guys, everybody's position is up for grabs. You're going to compete if the door is wide open. And we're going to get back to being a physical football team. And we're going to get back to being a football team that's go for it. And if you're not on board, I need you to let me know, like, right now. Yeah. And it got to be that way. Because you can't be scared of who's going to walk out the door. Guess what? If he's walking out that door, he's already been thinking about it anyways. And I want guys that want to be here. I don't want... Things don't go your way your first year, I'm entering the transfer portal.
2: Right. No.
3: Like, do you want to be here or not?
2: Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think there's there's such a great opportunity for recruits to, to come into Auburn and and be that difference maker and to be somebody who is making an impact early and, and doing it with all the pieces that are already there at this incredibly um you know impressive institution school like there's there's so much good that comes from from being an auburn grad you and i can speak to that personally but uh from a playing perspective you're going to be able to make an impact early and i think that there's certainly still a lot of good for recruits to take in into consideration when considering auburn that doesn't necessarily reflect what has happened this past season um and and hopefully those few key pieces that we still need are, are going to fall into our lap because the the blueprint is there. It's always been there for Auburn football. You just need those magic makers, you know, the, the Cam Newton and and the Trey Masons and like just those difference makers. So we look forward to seeing who those potentially are. I'm really hopeful that this team puts on a show for us this week and, and kind of shows what we're working with to send us into the off season on a little bit of a higher note but That is going to do it for us this week on Believe in Everything Auburn. As always, Jason and I greatly appreciate you guys listening. Make sure you find us wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's the Believe website, the podcast app, Spotify, iTunes. You can find us anywhere. Just search Believe in Everything Auburn. Go ahead and subscribe. That way you get a notification every time we release an episode. You can give us a like, a thumbs up, a nice comment, a war eagle. And Jason and I will continue to spit out great episodes each and every week, regardless of how our team performs, because that's what we we do so everyone enjoy the game this weekend keep in mind we all just wanted a football season right so enjoy watching some football because a few weeks from now we won't have it anymore so everyone enjoy pull this team on and uh and we'll talk next
0: week we're eagle.
3: Where are you everybody enjoy your weekend
0: without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you